What's up, guys? I let my friend Ty do the intro for the episode this week. I hope you guys think that it's somewhat humorous. Uh, that's subjective, though. I guess we'll see. Uh, yeah, here you go. Hi, everyone, and thank you for checking out the Dance Anxiety Podcast, episode 12. My name is Frankie. <laughs> he said episode 12. <laughs> Hi, everyone, and thank you for checking out the Dance Anxiety Podcast, episode 12. My name is Frankie Caputo, and this podcast where I talked about about I talk to people about their experiences living with nystagmus. Just a quick disclaimer, the audio in this episode isn't the best. I actually filmed this when I was out of town, so I apologize for that. Today, my guest is Alyssa. Alyssa's a freshman in college, and she's going to school for a music education. Timestamps for different discussions will be located in the de- in the description of the video. <laughs> All right, I'm using it now. Wait, that was recorded? Yeah. No, it wasn't. Yeah, it was. Okay, use it. Well, thank you for joining me, Alyssa. How are you? How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for coming on with such short notice. I just reached out to you yesterday, and you were kind enough to do it today, so I really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. It's an honor to have been asked to be a part of this. I'm really excited. So uh, tell me a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I am 19. I am just finishing up my freshman year of college. Um, I'm a music education major with a concentration in voice. So I really like anything that has to do with music, uh, specifically singing, though, opera, musical theater. I'm really into all that type of stuff. How long have you been singing for? So actually, I have only been singing classically for about four years now. I've been singing in choir ever since I was probably like 10 years old, but I haven't really focused on classical singing until recently what made the shift there why are you doing the classical singing now well really i knew that singing was something that i wanted to pursue in college and that is the typical approach of most college voice degrees um also personally i am i just don't have the voice to be like a pop singer or like a musical theater belter so i decided to pursue classical singing just because it fit my voice the best so what's like the, the difference between the classical singing voice and just a modern pop singing voice i feel like the classical singing voice would be harder to obtain especially because with pop music you can just use autotune and stuff like that yeah so they actually there's a lot of overlap between the two definitely but also there's a lot of different technical things. Like with classical singing, you use a lot more vibrato and it's kind of like this bigger, more like rich and darker sound. Whereas with a lot of like pop or musical theater singing, it's more so like straight tones and like the sound doesn't spin as much. It's more so like you're just trying to be loud and like expressive. If that makes any sense. <laughs> that makes sense. That makes sense. So what kind of music do you listen to just recreationally? Um, I'm really into musical theater. I love the musical Dear Evan Hansen a lot. It's probably my favorite. Um, I also really like older music, specifically ABBA. It's been something that I've been interested in recently. Okay, ABBA's dope. I, I know some ABBA. Just, uh, yeah. I know probably, what's, what's your favorite ABBA song? I know a couple of their bigger songs, but I don't know much. Um, I really like all the ones that are in the Mamma Mia soundtrack. Okay. That's my musical theater obsession. Um, <laughs> I really like Our Last Summer. That one's probably my favorite. It's just really sweet. Okay. Yeah, ABBA's one of those bands that, uh, that they had like a whole musical app, like just named of their discography. And uh, I know the Four Seasons with Jersey Boys, they did something similar to that too. Do you like Jersey Boys? Yeah, I do. I haven't listened to them in a while, but that's another really good one. Yeah, that's, Abba's dope, but like the Four Seasons, that's just something that I'll listen to all the time. I, I like mm-hmm. a lot of the old music I'll listen but that's pretty. That's probably the oldest that I'll go though is Four Seasons because I think that's like early '60s. I like the Beatles. You like anything like that? Yeah, I 
I haven't been listening to those as much recently, but yeah, I do like to listen to a lot of that, like, 60s, 70s music, especially, right like, in the summertime. I don't know. It's just, like, feel-good music a lot of the times. Yeah. What, what's that? What's the show that you said that you liked? Uh, Dear Evan Hansen. What's, what's that about? So, it's, it's a pretty complicated plot, but... Um, it kind of centers around this kid that has pretty severe social anxiety. And then a lot of it is kind of about him, like finding himself and kind of coming out of his shell as he is going through his senior year of high school. Oh, okay. And that's a musical. Yeah. It's a fairly new musical. Is it on Broadway? Yes. Yeah. It's still on Broadway. Okay, well, you're in, you're in New York. Have you seen it live? I did, actually. For my 16th birthday, I got to go see it. So that was a really cool experience. Would you say that's, like, one of the best Broadway shows that you've seen live? Or are there others that you'd put above that? Definitely. No, it was probably one of the best ones I've seen. I mean, I haven't seen that many because I don't live too close to New York City. But out of the ones that I have seen... It's definitely probably one of my favorites. Okay. Cool. So, well, it is a nystagmus-related podcast. So I guess we can go ahead and start talking about some nystagmus-related things. So I'm just curious, have you ever met anybody with nystagmus before? Yeah, so actually my dad has it as well. So I've pretty much grown up with someone else who has had it that's always been present. That's that's super interesting. You're, you're my first guest whose fa- whose father has nystagmus. I've had a few guests who uh, their mother has it, or they'll have a sibling who has nystagmus. But I think you're the first one whose dad has it. Huh? How how do you say that that's helped you cope with it? Do you think that that helped? I personally think it has, especially because. I just never really thought of it as anything strange because since my dad has always has it, it's just like a normal part of life. So it hasn't really made me feel like as different or like I stand out as much. Okay. Yeah, that, that's cool. I wish it would have been nice to have somebody so close to me who had it too, someone who I could ask questions to because I just feel like mm-hmm. um, when I when I was growing up, I there wasn't so much community but yet i had so many questions and i was dealing with so much stuff especially bullying i there there was a lot of bullying that i dealt with because of it not in terms of like my lack of vision but just because aesthetically like people thought it was funny how i looked and like my head movements and my eye movements did you deal with any bullying um i wouldn't necessarily say bullying fortunately enough i didn't really have people make fun of me or at least not to my face I don't know what people did behind my back (laughs) but um I think definitely especially when I was younger um there was a lot of questioning so people would ask me like why they do that or I'd get a lot of whoa how do you do that with your eyes same I don't think I've ever been outright bullied for it so I guess I'm pretty fortunate in that regard okay yeah so would you do you feel like you ever have to bring it up to somebody like if you're just meeting somebody and you know that your eyes are kind of freaking out a little bit do you mention it or do you just let it come out naturally in conversation i guess it kind of depends on the person so if it's someone that i'm really just like i'm only gonna meet once or like i'm not gonna get super well acquainted with then I probably won't bring it up just because, I don't know, I feel like they don't necessarily need to know about it. But um, if it's like a friend or someone I want to get to know very well, I usually will bring it up to them, um, especially because there might be a time where I'll need to seek like support from them. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it's important for me to let them know what it is. And what, what kind of support do you mean if you're seeking for support from someone? Uh, so I know for me personally, a lot of times if I like go out in public with my friends and there's something that I need to read and I can't see it, then I'll have to be like, hey, can you read that to me? 
like it happens a lot especially when we go to like fast food restaurants or something where they have like menus projected on the wall all those things are so annoying yeah i don't understand why they have to make them so small but i can never read them so i always have to be like hey can you read the menu to me (laughs) is it ever is it ever surprising like what people can see like you can see that yes oh my goodness it is so surprising all the time i'll be with people and they notice like the littlest things and i'm like (laughs) how how do you see that like I don't even think I could see that if I got like close to it. It's just, yeah, it blows yeah. my mind. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Especially those fast food menus. I, it's so funny. I have no idea how people see that, but I guess I they don't do. Know either. I guess they do. And you were telling me earlier that, that you drive before we get into to your driving, I'm going to assume that your father drives. Does your mm-hmm. dad drive too? Okay. Yeah, he does. Okay. So, was there ever a point in your life that you thought you wouldn't be able to drive or were you always just confident that it was something that was going to happen? No. So actually there was a lot of gray area in terms of whether or not I'd be able to drive because my vision was really right above the cusp of like what is acceptable vision to drive in my state. So for a long time, we really weren't sure. And I think when I was, about 14 or 15 years old, my vision finally made it to 2070, which is what like the bare minimum you need to do limited driving in New York state. So that was kind of the moment where it was like, wow, this might actually be a possibility. Like I can make this happen. So you definitely had eyesight that increasingly got better over time. And I think that's something that's pretty common with people with nystagmus. Yeah, yeah. I will say, I don't think it's, it didn't improve a ton because my eyesight wasn't super terrible to begin with, but it definitely improved a decent amount. Are you still at 2070 or has it gotten a little better since then? It's gotten a little better. I don't know exactly what I am. I think I'm somewhere between 2060 and 2070. I'm not exactly 2060, but it's a little better than 2070. So yeah, it's kind of like in between there somewhere. Okay. So I've, I've had this mentioned to me before in the past, but there's uh, like in the UK, for example, I think the majority of people who have nystagmus actually don't drive. It's, it's actually very disproportionate to the, the amount of people that drive in the US. And I, I wonder why that is like i don't like what do you say to the people who who don't drive over there because i think we like you and i we probably both have similar vision right Mm -hmm. but i i guess like i don't drive but i have a driver's Mm -hmm. license but i feel a bit uncomfortable to drive do you how do you were you ever in a scenario like that where you were like i i feel like i should be seeing a little more than i'm seeing um or is, are you just totally comfortable driving right now? Uh, no, I definitely have a lot of fear when it comes to driving. Um, especially when I was first learning how to drive, that was kind of a, a scary time because I wasn't really aware of how much you really have to like scan the road with your eyes. And so that kind of took a while to get used to. And sometimes I kind of do really question myself, like, should I be driving? But then I'm like, no, I got my license for a reason. I'm good enough. I'm fine. But no, it definitely is something that scares me, especially something that actually really scares me is parking, which sounds Mm. crazy because it's like the simplest part of driving. But I feel like because of my nystagmus, I kind of have lower depth perception. And because of that, it makes pulling into parking spots really hard, especially in areas where it's really crowded and you have to fit into a tight space. So, yeah, that kind of freaks me out a little bit. Yeah. So is it just parking or is it parking lots in general? Uh, Parking lots in general, especially when there's a lot of cars there. Because I I just get so scared I'm going to like hit something because I'm like, I don't know if I'm too close to it so i tend to just park where i can be in 
kind of a more isolated area so that there's not a ton of cars around me and I don't have to worry about that as much. Fair enough. That's kind of a good tip to give to, to new drivers uh, with nystagmus, mm-hmm. kind of just park away from all the other stuff going on. I, my sister does that and she doesn't even have nystagmus. She's, she's still not good at parking. She's got perfect vision. She, she still struggles <laughs> with it. <laughs> you know, it's something that seems so simple, but it's so difficult. <laughs> is that the most difficult part about driving with nystagmus or, or is there anything else that you'd put above that? Uh, I think currently that's the most difficult part, but I feel like when I was learning how to drive, there is just a lot of difficult things, especially like kind of figuring out how to like stay in my lane and not like swerve as much when I was driving. Because mm-hmm. I feel like with my nystagmus, a lot of times I'm used to just looking at things that are like right in front of me. But obviously when you're driving, you kind of have to look further and see the bigger picture. So that really was kind of a difficult adjustment at first, but I definitely think it's something that you get used to over time. And now it's kind of just second nature. Well, I hope with the amount of people that I've had on my podcast, that's at least encouraging some people to, to get out and start driving. It definitely encourages me. Like I want to, like hearing you talk and hearing other people talk, I think I think I'm also, I think my vision might even be slightly better, I, I, than yours. I think I'm at 2060, 2065. Well, my right eye is a lot stronger than my left eye. Do, do you have that too? Mm-hmm. Is it one of your eyes? It's stronger. Yeah, I don't know which one, but I think, I think one of my eyes is like 2050, and the other is 2070. Mm-hmm. So I kind of just generalize and say like I'm around 2060 because it's like the average. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think my right eye is 2040, and my left eye is like 2065 or something. So I, mm-hmm. I'll go in the middle there somewhere. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, what I was saying, I was saying like I, I just hope that it's encouraging some people to get out and start driving because especially I, I know people in the UK. A lot of them don't drive, and maybe that's just because their public transportation system is a little better than we have it here. Because there's not so there's not very much good public transportation in the U.S. You have the main cities, you you have NYC, uh, mm-hmm. Chicago. I know I've been hearing really good things about Minneapolis and and the uh, the, the public transportation, <laughs> things like that. But uh, but yeah, I, I, that was like my. That's my hypothesis, is that that's why people aren't driving so much in the UK is because of the self... Did I call it self-driving earlier? I meant to say... Um, <laughs> did I? <laughs> uh, the public I don't sh- think so. Okay. Uh, the public transportation is, I think, just better over there so that they don't really have so much of an incentive to, uh, to drive. Yeah, because that was definitely a big thing for me because I live in a relatively rural part of New York where there isn't really much public transportation. So it was kind of like, okay, well, if I want to be able to go places, I kind of have to fend for myself and really just get out there and learn how to drive. Yeah. What do you say? That was the, like the biggest driving point to get you to, to start driving was, uh, you didn't want to be depending on other people to, to get you around. Yeah, I think so because you know, I saw some of my friends starting to get their license and just seeing this freedom that they have and like knowing that I still had to rely on my parents to drive me places was really just when I was like, no, I'm going to do this. I don't care how long it takes. I want to do it because I really just want to be independent. Mm-hmm. Right on. Well, that that's awesome that you're driving. Yeah. So... You know, usually when I'll ask people how much nystagmus affects their life, it's very much depending on whether or not they drive, because that's a pretty big factor. Mm -hmm. Um, And because you are driving, your question might differ from people who don't drive. But I'm curious, like, let's say on a scale of one to 10, how much would you say nystagmus affects your life? You know, I think I would give it a five, like a nice little happy medium, because (laughs) I think it definitely affects my life enough to be present and acknowledgeable, but also it doesn't really stop me from doing much. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, I really just think that the driving is the main thing that gets in people's way. And it's like, damn, if I didn't, 
especially for me. Like mm-hmm. now that I talk to you and a few of my other guests, it makes me more confident in my ability to drive. So I want to get out there and start trying it again. But that's definitely like my biggest takeaway from Nystagmus. Now, five years ago, that's di- that would be different because five years ago I was in high school and I got bullied a lot, especially in my freshman year. So mm-hmm. it, during that time of my, of my life, driving wasn't really so much in my mind. It was more like, man, I wish people would, would leave me alone <laughs> because of this. <laughs> um, but I guess you, you didn't really deal with much of that. So, so, you know, what other ways would you say nystagmus has affected your life? Uh, well, for me personally, I know I mentioned that I'm a music major. Um, nystagmus has really affected that a lot, but um, it basically, I don't know if you'd say this is a good or a bad thing. I personally think of it as a positive way it affected it, but it really taught me how to learn music without actually seeing the music because um, it started when I was back in choir in elementary school and you know we're little kids so like everyone wanted to be in choir so there wasn't enough music for everyone to have their own copy so sometimes we'd be sharing music with upwards of like three sometimes even four people and obviously I probably could have just asked the teacher for my own copy because I have a legitimate reason for it but Mm -hmm. I was always too shy for that, so I would kind of just pretend to like fit in with what everyone else was doing, but half the time I would not be able to see the music at all, <laughs> so I really had to rely on my ear to help me, so I really learned how to learn a lot of music by ear just by kind of repeating what I heard, and it would start off as me kind of just mumbling through the melodies a bit and then after a while I would listen to the words and I would start to pick them up Um, and that is a skill that has substantially helped me in my music career now because since I learned how to learn music without actually seeing the music now when I actually have the music it just expedites the process so much and I'm able to learn music at a very fast rate so that is extremely helpful that's yeah i would say that's actually a positive in that sense yeah interesting yeah so you kind of hear like you'll hear that a lot with like somebody who's lacking in a certain sense like if someone's blind maybe they're good at hearing or if someone's deaf maybe they're really good at seeing so i guess that's i don't know if necessarily you're better at hearing but it did help you to adapt in uh in playing music that you have heard yeah definitely Interesting. I mean, it has caused some challenges, too, with that regard. Because um, I know for me personally, the way my nystagmus is, is if I'm trying to focus on a graphic or something that has a lot of lines and just a lot going on, it really messes with my mind. So, like, graphs, lined paper, and even sheet music can really bother me because if I'm trying to focus on it, my eyes will actually just start shaking more and then the paper like what I see on the paper starts shaking Mm -hmm. so that has definitely been difficult because there's been times where I've had to just like stop and do something else for a minute while I'm trying to practice because my eyes are just so fixated on studying the lines that it gives me a headache Um, so what do you do in a moment like that So you stop, do you have like a breathing exercise that you do or do you focus on something else for a little bit to get them to slow down? Yeah, so normally what I do in that circumstance is I'll kind of, I'll just put the music down and I kind of just like close my eyes for a minute and just kind of like, just give them a break from seeing, I guess, so that they could kind of reset and not have to like take in information for a couple minutes. And then... Normally after that, it's fine, and I can go back to my practicing, but obviously it's frustrating when that happens because it's like I'm kind of in a go, go, go mindset, but oh, then yeah. it's just like, oh, never mind, got to stop <laughs> <laughs> My eyes are doing the thing again. Yeah. yeah. Does that ever happen when you're driving? Sometimes. I feel like when I'm driving... I can kind of control it a little more 
like sometimes it will happen and it's really scary so then like i'll just kind of like blink a little bit and that normally helps kind of reset it but it has happened a couple times when i'm driving it's definitely scary but um it hasn't caused any problems so that's good <laughs> right on yeah I've, you know i think you're i agree with you about the driving thing because when i when i did drive i don't think it really happened very much or when it did happen i would just I would just exaggerate my null point a little bit. So my null point's up and to the left. So mm -hmm. I would either do that or I'll find like another null point. And that's also something that would help stop the, uh, or at least lower the shakiness. Yeah. Actually, that kind of brought up an interesting point when you said the null point. Because I know I said I didn't really get like bullied much. But I think the one thing people did kind of judge me for with my nystagmus definitely was my null point. Because for me personally, it's when I tilt my head down and look up. So like a lot of times if I'm looking at my phone, I'll be like looking at it like that, which mm -hmm. obviously looks a little strange for someone who doesn't know. So yeah, that was interesting that you brought up the null <laughs> point because it was something I didn't even think about, but it's like, oh yeah. Boom. I forgot that's a thing. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> did people ever like mimic your null point at all? Um, I feel like my friends did as a joke. Yeah. Like, I feel like they weren't trying to be malicious or anything, but like they kind of make fun of me for it in an endearing way. <laughs> that's good. That's good though. I think it's important that friends can be able to joke like that with each other. Not so much strangers or I mean, that's not yeah. cool, but obviously friends, I think that it's important. Mm -hmm. It shows, um, I think if you're able to joke about something like that, that it shows kind of like uh, you're not so insecure about it and you've kind of gotten over something like that. There was definitely a point in my life where I couldn't laugh about that and it was just too much and mm -hmm. it just made me super uncomfortable. And if anybody ever brought it up, I would think, of, I would literally think about it like all night. So just, it was it was bad but definitely one of my biggest coping mecha mechanisms with the nystagmus was to be able to make fun of myself a little bit and allow my friends to to joke about it a little bit without me getting upset so i think that's definitely huge yeah i i know a lot of people don't necessarily enjoy the kind of self-deprecating humor but i don't know personally i think it's a good coping mechanism and it's something that has really helped me as well but i know not everyone appreciates it yeah definitely not everybody appreciates it i yeah i've, I've noticed that people with nystagmus though a lot of the people that i've met with nystagmus are okay with it but there's also obviously some who aren't okay with it and that's totally understandable like i totally mm -hmm. i totally get it but uh but yeah so do you have any other advice for people with nystagmus? Any maybe coping mechanisms or anything like that? I would say don't be afraid to view it as a disability because I know personally growing up, I was kind of, because especially like with my dad, him and I have very, we both have nystagmus, but it's in varying forms because I'm nearsighted and he's farsighted. So his vision is actually better than mine. And like he can drive and stuff with no restrictions at all. Um, so, you know, obviously our nystagmus, even though we both have it, it affects us both differently. So he's always more so viewing it as just like, oh, it's just a little challenge, but like it doesn't affect me that much. Whereas I feel like with me, since my vision is a little worse than his, it has kind of affected me a little more. Um, and personally, I feel like identifying it as a disability has kind of helped me come to terms with it because I felt like when I was being told that it was a challenge it was kind of like I felt invalidated because I'm like oh it's just this thing I have to get over but like ever since I've kind of referred to it more so as a disability um I've been able to kind of be like oh it's this thing that does present a challenge and it's never going to go away but it's just kind of a part of who I am um, cause I feel like a lot of people give the word disability a bad connotation, but I don't necessarily think that's true. Why do you think they give it a bad connotation? I feel like, because I feel like a lot of people are afraid 
to say that they're disabled because they're afraid that people will think less of them because of it. Um, but I don't really, I don't think that's true. I don't think you should think less of someone because they have a disability because they're still people too. And well, I should say we're still people too. So yeah, I don't know. I don't think it's a degrading term at all. I don't think so either. I think what, what happens is with some people is they don't really have something like this or anything that might be classified as a disability. So it's more of like an empathy thing. They can't really relate so much to us because there's a lack of relation there. They can't really put them in, themselves in our shoes and see how we feel. What, do you think that nystagmus has helped you become more of an empathetic person? I definitely think so because given my own challenges that I've had brought upon me with my nystagmus, I've tend to be more understanding of other people when they're struggling. Definitely understandable. I think that it's, that that has been the case for me as well. And for a lot of other people, do you think that there's maybe like a certain person in your life who made you feel, um, what's the word who do you think was particularly empathetic with your condition and just made you feel very comfortable with yourself and with who you are? Yeah, actually, um, my best friend in high school has always been like, I mean, we've been best friends ever since we were in elementary school. So she's known me very well and she's known that I've had this condition for a long time. And in a way, she has always been very protective over me, kind of. So like if anyone did start to like say something mean about me, she would be very quick to defend me and stand up for me. And she's also that person that's always with me, like helping me read the menus at fast food restaurants or just like helping me, helping guide me into a parking spot when I'm too nervous that I won't see it right. So that's awesome. Yeah, I feel like her being there really just kind of gave me this confidence that like, oh, I can still live a normal life. And like there are people there who will support me through this journey. How do you think life would have been if you didn't meet her or if she she didn't help out so much? I feel like it would have been I feel like it would have been difficult just because I personally don't really like asking other people for help very much. Me neither. And yeah, so I try to do everything on my own and obviously when she's there it's very helpful because I don't even have to ask. She just like does it sometimes. And so I feel like if I didn't have that it would have been definitely a lot more pressure on myself to figure these tricky situations out. <laughs> yeah. Well that, you know, that's awesome. That there's people out there who can, who just get it, you know, like who can just mm -hmm. help out. Like I have a buddy, George, and he's just somebody who just, just got it. And I met him in high school and he's, yeah, he was, he's really just one of those people the same way that you spoke about your friend. That's really like the same kind of friend that he's been to me so shout out <laughs> shout out <laughs> to them <laughs> yeah um just curious because i know that there's some people who who do this but do you ever feel a need to wear sunglasses maybe indoors or in, in times that you otherwise wouldn't need to wear sunglasses because maybe your eyes are acting up personally not really i mean i do tend to wear sunglasses outside if it's really bright out but I also am just not a fan of wearing sunglasses in general just because I don't have like transitional lenses or like clip-ons or anything so I have to like physically put a pair over my glasses and it's kind of annoying so sometimes even though the light does bother me I kind of just put up with it because I don't like dealing with sunglasses. You know, oh man, I love sunglasses. I've got like a whole collection. Oh really? <laughs> Yeah, I think they're fun. Yeah, I, I feel like I, I'll wear them sometimes a little more than, than I need to. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, definitely outside, I'll wear them just because my eyes are so sensitive to the sun. Just super yeah. sensitive. No, I definitely want to look into getting a pair of like prescription sunglasses. Because I feel like just normal sunglasses are like just annoying sometimes. <laughs> do, do you wear contacts or is it just glasses? So I wore contacts for 
a little while back in like middle school, I think. <laughs> but I just I didn't really like them because I have really high astigmatism as well. So um, it just created a lot of glare because because of my nystagmus, I had to use hard contacts. And so just every time I put them on, if I were to like look at a light or something, there would just be this insane glare. And I didn't really like that. So I basically just wear glasses now. I can't believe you bring up the hard contact lenses and the first thing that you bring up is the glare. Those things are so uncomfortable. Those things suck. Yeah, no, they're not fun. <laughs> oh my god. Were they uncomfortable for you too, or am I just very sensitive? I don't think they were terribly uncomfortable. The one time they were really uncomfortable was when my eyes would get dry and they would like be dry and then you'd just feel this like hard plastic Ugh. thing on your eye and just oh it was uh, not a good feeling my god it was like having sand in my eyes yeah <laughs> they were easy to take out though and put in so that was kind of nice yeah the, the putting in was easy and the taking out i actually had a couple of different methods of taking out i, I wonder if you used the same one so the first method was i, I would like pull the side of my eye and then I would blink into my hand and they would just pop out. Or the other method wow. was that I they gave me like a little plunger thing and you just open up your eye and you stick it on the lens and just pull it off. Oh, that's smart. No, I always just did the like feel around until you can find it and just take it out. But, um, oh, but it's a hard lens though. How do you, you can take it out just putting your fingers in there. Yeah, well, so... The lenses that I had were weird, so I, oh, what was the brand called? I think they were called Synergize. So basically the lens itself was hard, but like the skirt around it was soft. So it was like a combination, like hybrid soft hard contact. So it did have that little suction that I could grab it like a soft contact, but it was also like a hard contact so that it wouldn't like move as much and like fit to my eye better. That's interesting. I've never heard of that before. So the way I picture that in my mind is that like the, the middle of it is hard and mm -hmm. the, the area around it is soft. Yeah. Huh. I don't think that I've ever seen that before. Interesting. So maybe that helped in terms of the, the comfortability. Maybe that maybe helped. Yeah. I think that definitely helped make it more comfortable than if it was just a plain hard contact. I don't know. It was that was what my eye doctor specifically recommended, so it was really just the only thing I considered. Gotcha, gotcha. So I guess you just stick in with the glasses. Yeah, I personally I prefer the glasses. Just contacts just didn't really work out for me. Yeah, they didn't really work out for me either. Uh, yeah, mm -hmm. I, I don't miss I don't miss wearing the contacts, but the, you know I've had a lot of people who wear contacts and. They, they're just fine with them. And they'll actually wear soft lenses. So pretty much huh. most of the people that I'll talk to who have nystagmus and they're wearing contacts, they've got soft lenses on. And I think the oh, reason wow. that we were prescribed, yeah, I think what goes on when a doctor is prescribing hard lenses to a doctor or to a patient who has nystagmus is that it is uh, it sticks to your eyes better with the movement and it just goes along better with the movement. And something about the hard glass permeable lenses are better capable of doing that. And also in terms of glasses versus contacts, I think, um, I don't know if you've, if you've experienced this, but I'll hear pretty frequently that with contacts, you see a little better than you'll see with glasses. Did you experience anything like that? So I actually, that was another reason why I don't like wearing contacts because as I mentioned, my null point is when I like look up like that. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times what I will do is I'll look over my glasses. So especially if I'm looking at something up close, because my glasses really just help me with things that are far away. So if I'm looking at something up close, sometimes I'll look over them or I'll take them off. And I found obviously I couldn't do that with contacts because the lens was basically covering my whole eye. So that kind of frustrated me a lot. So that was another reason why I didn't really like wearing contacts. True. Yeah, I noticed that too. I noticed that um, it's definitely harder to move your eyes with nystagmus and with contacts. 
Yeah. So the null points aren't a very easy thing. Would you ever consider, because um, I know that there's procedures out there for, for null point correction, is that something that you've ever considered or wanted, or you're just cool with your current situation? More that I've heard about it, it definitely is very intriguing. Um, I don't really know too much about it, but personally, my null point doesn't bother me too much. And I think I talked to my eye doctor about it at one point, and he'd kind of said that really my null point wasn't severe enough that it would really like do well, not severe enough, but it wasn't like a drastic enough head position that surgery would really do much. So, I mean, I think it would be cool if it could do things to help me, but personally, I just don't really think it would. So it's not really something that I've considered, but I mm -hmm. do think it's really cool. Yeah, I think it's pretty cool too. I've seen, well, I had a procedure to help correct my null point a while back, but I've also spoken to some people and there was definitely an improvement in just the, the amount that their null point like used to be versus where it is now. So I, I know some people just care about that more than others, but, uh, but yeah. What do you think about like, like social cues? Like I'm, I'm so bad with social cues. I, I, people need to talk to me. I can't see your facial expressions. Like if you're like winking at me or if you're, you're nodding at something, I have no idea what you're doing. Yeah, no, I am so bad at that. <laughs> I, I remember specifically in high school, when I would be in like choir or orchestra and my friend would be like across the room in a different area and she would try to like mouth things to me during rehearsal and I'd be like, <laughs> I see that your mouth is moving, but I have no idea what you're saying. <laughs> or like, I feel like for me also, a lot of times I'm really bad at recognizing people until they're like really close to me. Yeah. So if someone's like far away and they like wave at me, I have no idea who they are. So, like, I feel bad because sometimes people are like, oh, didn't you see me? And I'm like, I, I saw you, but I didn't recognize that it was you. That is definitely the, like, 100% hands down the most common thing that I've heard from people when I study yeah. this. It's just uh, some pe people, like, they'll feel bad because maybe somebody will think that they're being rude or they're ignoring them. But when in reality, we just literally can't see you. Like, you just have to come closer to us. But, uh, yeah. But yeah. And I try to make a general statement to people about that sometimes when I can. Um, like recently, I actually ran for an executive board position in the student government at my school. And while I was giving my like campaign speech, I was telling everyone like, no, I genuinely, I genuinely do care about getting to know everyone and like getting to know who you are, but I might not recognize you if you pass me. So just don't be offended if you say hi to me and I don't respond. I'm not being rude. I just can't see. Fair <laughs> enough. It's a good thing that you mentioned that. I'm sure it, I'm sure that helps. Yeah, definitely. So there's definitely certain things that make the nystagmus worse. For example, for me and a lot of people, it's uh, a lack of sleep. So if you're tired, it, it'll make it worse. Do you think that there's anything else that will make your eyes shake a little more and make your vision worse yeah so for me personally when i'm feeling really stressed or anxious my eyes will shake a little more like personally i also have an anxiety disorder on top of having nystagmus so sometimes if i am in a situation where i'm having a panic attack i'll notice that my eyes will start shaking more oh 100 percent i've completely experienced that too so that that must even make uh i'm sure that doesn't help with the parking lots or if uh, no. something's happening on the road <laughs> yeah yeah no it's definitely one of those and it's hard too because depending on like how anxious i am i can't always control it so sometimes i feel like i kind of like almost like dissociate or like space out for a minute because everything's just like shaking and i can't concentrate mm -hmm. But, um, you know, other times it like it starts doing that and I can kind of like ground myself and reset it. But it's just really dependent on the situation, I guess. Yeah, I guess that would bring up this question that I find myself um, having to answer. But like how, how in terms of, 
being present and being aware, do you think that the, the nystagmus can affect your ability to do that, especially in a conversation if your eyes are shaking? Because for me, I, I could be talking to somebody, but my eyes just start going crazy. And then in my head, I'm like, oh, shit, my eyes are freaking out now. They're seeing it. Now I'm feeling it. But they're still talking and I have to process what they're saying. But I can't process what they're saying because I'm in my head thinking about my eyes. Have you ever experienced something like that? Yeah, definitely. Um, I feel like that's another one of those things where it depends on who I'm talking to. Because mm -hmm. if I'm like talking to one of my close friends or family members, like I don't even think about it because like, they know about it. But if I'm talking to someone that I just met and like doesn't know about it as much, it's kind of like, oh gosh, I wonder what they think of me right now because my eyes are just shaking like crazy. They probably think I'm like a freak or something. But yeah, I often find that when I do feel like that, most people don't even acknowledge it. I feel like, yeah, I think um, most of the times people won't acknowledge it. And with my experience, it's because they don't want to offend you. Mm -hmm. I've definitely, like, when I, if my eyes start freaking out, I feel the urge to, to mention it. Like, I feel like it's an elephant in the room. So I'll bring it up, and then they'll be like, oh, I'm happy that you said something because I thought you were on, like, cocaine or something. Or I thought that <laughs> you were really drunk or, or whatever. So, yeah, that's definitely something that, that I hear is, is the, the drug thing, or they think that I'm, that I'm drunk. You, has that ever happened to you? I wouldn't say with my normal nystagmus, but so actually this brings up a funny story. Um, <laughs> my eye doctor used to be in this mall that we have near me. So a lot of times when I go to the eye doctor, we'd go like shopping or something afterwards because we were already there. And there'd be like days when I'd have to get my eyes dilated. So like my pupils and stuff would be really big. And so I would walk around and I got so many weird looks because people thought I was like on drugs or something. And I'm like, no, it's just, I just went to the eye doctor. So yeah, I've definitely been there. <laughs> yeah, I guess the, 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 the pupils being larger and the movement didn't, didn't help the, uh, the drug thing there. Yeah. But uh, yeah, to, to kind of wind down here, I know that in terms of parenting, your situation might be a little different than, than others because one of your parents has nystagmus, your dad has nystagmus. Um, so maybe for him, it would be easier to kind of raise somebody with the condition because he's been there, done that, and he kind of knows the ins and outs of it. But what advice would you give to some parents who just found out that their kid has nystagmus and they don't really, they don't know much about the condition? What would you say to a parent? who just found out. Yeah, so I would say that, I mean, definitely at first it is a scary thing, but it's definitely not uh, like, how do I want to word this? It's not like a condemning condition. Like you can still live a relatively normal life and there's still a lot of things you can do, even though it presents difficulties. And also, Doctors aren't necessarily always right. So just because they say something doesn't always mean it's true. Like, I mean, granted, in the past 19, 20 years, technology and stuff has improved a lot. But when I was a baby, doctors told my parents that I was going to be legally blind for my whole life. And then here I am, like, driving and most definitely not legally blind. So just because doctors say things, it doesn't necessarily mean it's gonna come true which can be taken either way good or bad but i think it's definitely just don't get discouraged because there are a lot of people out there with this condition who are living a normal life and it hasn't stopped them that's that's a good one the, the doctor thing is is really important because i mean i've even experienced this but oftentimes someone will find out that their kid has nystagmus and the doctor, like what you said, will say they'll be legally blind their whole life. They'll never be able to drive. They, I've even heard stories like they're not going to be able to go to school. They, they, they're not going to be able to read. Like college is out of the question, which is just crazy. Like if you're listening to this podcast and you're, 
the doctor is telling that to you about your child, then you should really consider going to somebody else. Definitely. And also my biggest advice too would be uh, once your child starts school to get an accommodation plan because that is something that I had all throughout school and actually I still have it now in college. And it has helped tremendously because if anything, it makes my like teachers and professors more aware of my disability. So it's kind of less explaining on my part that I have to do. Okay. Yeah, that's definitely very important. And it's nice that your teachers don't have, you don't have to explain it to all of your teachers. It's kind of just there already, like they understand. Yeah, I mean, I definitely still do have to explain it because obviously they don't understand the specifics, but at least they know that like, oh, I might need some special accommodations or adaptations in the classroom. Mm -hmm. Is that a 504 plan where you're at or is it called something else? Uh, so, yeah, when I was in school, I had a 504 plan. Um, now that I'm in college, it's not a 504 plan anymore. It's just like an accommodation plan, Okay. I guess. I don't know. My school specifically doesn't do 504 plans in college, but they have like just their version, which they just call an accommodation plan. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's definitely very important. Um, accommodations. It's, it's good for the parents to know that that's something that's there, to, to know what a 504 plan is and the benefits that mm -hmm. that can have. Um, is there anything else that, that you'd like to talk about? I would really just say don't be afraid to express yourself with your nystagmus because I feel like for me personally, it's always been something that I've kind of hid until recently because I was in a way kind of like embarrassed about it. But now I'm really starting to realize that it's part of my identity and it kind of makes me who I am. So yeah, just basically it's not something that you should feel like you have to hide because it's just a part of you. Like the way, like for example, if someone had like a broken arm, obviously they're not gonna try to hide that and be like, oh yeah, my arm's not broken. What are you talking about? So like, you know, with your eyesight. Like, That's a good example. If, yeah, it's like, it's not something you should try to hide. Like if you can't see, like, I feel like it's something you should be open about. Um, and if people judge you, then that's a character flaw in them, but you shouldn't let that dictate whether or not you have the freedom to express yourself. Boom. Words of wisdom from <laughs> Alyssa. <laughs> uh, well, Hey, thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. I really enjoy talking to you. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Um, for, for anybody who's watching on YouTube, you know, hit the like button, subscribe if you haven't done so done so already. The podcast is now on Spotify, finally. So you can pretty much listen to it anywhere as well. It's on Spotify. It's on Apple. So, you know, find it on there. Everything's linked in the description. So, boom. Thank you, Alyssa. Thank you.